Welcome to Nothing Much to Talk About. What are you... Is that the first time we've ever actually said the name of the podcast? Actually on air, yeah, probably. That's so weird. I completely interrupted what you were going to say something interesting there. That was just the intro, really. So I was just going to ask, what have you been watching? Because, you know, the world's still in lockdown, or most of it is. The parts that suck are still in lockdown. Still got a lot of thirst for content and entertainment. And what are you what are you watching right now? Recently, I uh, just finished um, watching WandaVision, as did everyone else in the world. I'm going to stop you right there. Have you been watching Grant? Well, you will want I, I to, don't know because you... <laughs> all will be explained later. I'm going to stop you before you can even answer. That is Have fine, you... but I will show you. I don't, you can see this. The audience won't be able to listen to see this, but I've got a water bottle that <laughs> says Grant you, on that it. that was not rehearsed. You have a water bottle next to you that says Grant on it. Wow. Yeah, uh, and I've been listening to a podcast recently, which is the Dungeons and Daddies podcast, <laughs> which uh, one of the one of the sons in the show is called Grant. So the Grant is coming up a lot recently. It's a lot. I don't why? know why. It can't be a coincidence. No, it's it's fate. There is yeah. destiny. I must watch this show called Grant, even though mm. I have no idea, no what, idea it what it is. is. Well, in it's not actually related to the subject. It is sort of, but all will be revealed later. Tell you what, we haven't been watching is any quibbies. What I, I, any. I'm not even going to pretend that like i only know the word quibby ain't been and, watching a quibby and it speaks disaster to me oh uh, well so we you have like heard of the infamy of quibby where a streaming service that launched lived and died over the course of 2020 the first major casualty of the streaming wars they they threw that hat in the ring and got beat around for it there's not been any other casualties from the streamers wars it's, none, uh, it's always sad to see the first one yeah, go none of this scale certainly because there's a couple that have like rebranded and launched quietly i don't know if you remember yahoo entertainment oh yeah, yeah it's the, only notable um, because somehow they managed to buy the rights to show the last season of community and then blamed community for yeah. their thing failing because yeah. they spent so much money on it but that's the thing because no one really took yahoo seriously there weren't and, and it was sort of a fluke that they even got community quibi is such a big enterprise with so many big names attached to it and it fell so flat so i've gone down a rabbit hole of researching it for <laughs> for everyone's entertainment especially mine it's yes. mostly for mine it's not even really for the podcast <laughs> and I our loyal needed, three listeners I, I needed to exercise this from myself <laughs> so Quibi was founded by Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman. Now I'm going to have like a brief history about Katzenberg's sort of history within Hollywood. He started as a producer in Paramount and he did, you know, he did okay. Did pretty good work through the 70s there. And then in 1984, Paramount CEO Michael Eisner becomes the CEO of Disney and he brings Katzenberg with him to head up Disney's motion picture division. And at the time, Disney are ranked last at the box office in terms of major studios. Hard to imagine such a yeah, time. Yeah, completely mental. What Katzenberg does is he starts releasing more adult-oriented dramas rather than the kid-friendly stuff Disney are known for through their touchstone banner which they know so it's not strictly disney but it's still owned by them so they can release films like dead poet society and good morning vietnam and it sort of pays off because just three years after becoming head of the division in 1987 disney are ranked first in box office receipts for studios so that's a i three, mean yeah and then yeah. they've stayed there yeah since, it's, I, it, I was gonna say they've sort of been on the ascendancy ever since because they've never had a slump like they have in like the pre-katzenberg decade so very his influence is still sort of very much felt i'd say yeah i mean i can't believe they made that biopic about him in 2019 <laughs> starring Cats, james corden just called Cats. and <laughs> yeah I, it's funny you they say shortened it down 
in in my notes i like often abbreviate it to just cats with a k yeah. so that's a big success but maybe what he's most known for in this era at disney is dragging their animation division kicking and screaming into the modern age and sort of heralding is, is the... he the same guy that destroyed the emperor's new groove and treasure planet no no that? no he was like already different... he was gone by then but he was oh, he was so <laughs> nice the... to see that there is consistently uh shut upon animation yeah he was there for like the very peak of the disney renaissance because in the mid 80s he fights very hard to convince disney to green like roger rabbit thinking that it will save the animation division and he's sort of correct because it not only is it a huge hit but it inspires this newfound appreciation for the technical side of animation that i don't think was there and then before necessarily <laughs> looney tunes back in action then killed that yes that- <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah, but it's 10 years later so it's all right not even 10 20 years later oh time is, is, it, is it really 20 years oh my god <laughs> but then of course having had that success with roger rabbit katzenberg's strategy is to and this isn't sequential like it all sort of bleeds into each other so projects were in development before this but this sort of gives him a good place to capitalize on his vision which is to harken back to classical period of disney animation but make it very quick. So Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty are all sort of renowned classics, but they're all a decade apart. Katzenberg's strategy is we want to make films like that, but we want them quickly, one after the other. Under his leadership, Disney put out Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. My God, and those are all regarded extremely highly. Yeah, that's maybe the peak of their entire renaissance as well. Through the whole 90s, I think those four might be the most well regarded yeah especially aladdin and lion king like mm. they're huge up there yeah i suppose beauty and the beast as well because that's the one that had the remake but... yeah yeah oh aladdin well, all too, and the lion now. king so far, oh and God. there's a and there's a planned one for little mermaid so yeah they've they've milked all of that for what it's worth and katzenberg is credited with finalizing the partnership between pixar and disney oh, so that's so a, do yeah. we still regard that as that's a good thing that right? is a we good regarded thing. that yeah. as a good thing it didn't sort of come to fruition until after he had left but in terms of setting up the partnership i'd say that's uh, you know <laughs> i've got to say you've already intrigued me yeah <laughs> with uh how he's left because like i yeah. want to know how he leaves this he seems to be on top of his game well it's not as much of a crash and burn thing as it might seem a couple of little things though it's easy to look at that and think that he is this trend setting flawless studio head but he does have sort of some problems he was notoriously skeptical about the little mermaid as a film throughout its production he initially rejected the pitch for it a number of times the original director wanted to be Guillermo del Toro but um he wanted to do it in a bit of a weirder he way. Did, and then so they brought in Peter Jackson instead. And then he said no, so they went, <laughs> fine, we'll give it to Musker and Clemens. And also, apparently Katzenberg was insistent that the song Part of Your World be cut from the film. So, I think yeah. I've heard something about this, yeah. Yeah, one of the best songs the, of the uh, entire I'm gonna tell you, Disney it's the only song other than Under the Sea that I know from that film. But also, it's just essential to the film where you establish it's, her. It's her entire character, yeah. yeah. So you'd think that would be a no-brainer to keep, but apparently Katzenberg thought, no, it has to go. He lost that fight, luckily. Uh, (laughs) He is credited with creating the feud between Disney and Robin Williams, because when Robin Williams signed on to Aladdin, he said he would do it as long as they didn't use his name to market the movie or flush out any merchandise with him attached to it. Katzenberg broke all of those promises. Of course. Which then kicked off a year where Robin Williams was simultaneously praising the animators and storytellers, but just 
shit talking Disney as a corporation. Good. What, yeah, what a he, man. Yeah. He won a Golden Globe for Aladdin where he gave a three minute speech and he didn't mention Disney once. <laughs> he did give a shout out to Katzenberg, but he pronounced his name as Jeffrey Katzenberg. <laughs> So and I, d- I don't know. Maybe that's just because of his accent, and I'm mishearing it. But I love <laughs> no, the pe- no, no, no. I love the pettiness of that. That is pure <laughs> petty, and yeah. I love it. Another sort of weird misstep in Katzenberg's run was that he was obsessed with taking a Disney film to win Best Picture, an animated film, after because Beauty and the Beast got nominated in 1991, and at that point, Katzenberg thought, right, we need a project that's gonna hit the home run with the best picture at the Oscars. And he looked at what's winning Oscars right now. Beauty and the Beast lost to Silence of the Lambs. There's no Disney project about cannibals in development. What won the previous year? <laughs> Dances with Wolves. We're going to make a Disney romance set against the conflict of Native Americans. That's how you get Pocahontas, which was not a huge success. I mean, it was fine. It's 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 regarded as one of the more problematic yeah. uh, Disney films, isn't it? But Just he was it's the yeah. The whole narrative is the white man is fine. It's okay. Well, we it's like them. both sides are bad, right? We yeah. both, everyone <laughs> made mistakes. It's like, <laughs> mm, not, not quite. Sometimes you just accidentally commit a genocide and look, it just, it happens to the best of us. We've all been there, you yes. know? But so Katzenberg, once he got his hands on Pocahontas and got his, the idea of it being a Oscar front runner, he worked hard to sort of make it more prestigious. So he removed the usual Disney tropes of talking animals and he aged up all the protagonists. <laughs> you know, the, the fun bits of Yeah, exactly. Films. And then, of course, most embarrassingly, his pitch was so enthusiastic that a lot of Disney animators were trying to jump ship from the other project that Disney had at the same time, The Lion King. And Uh. of course... One of those did much better than the other. Well, who did the soundtrack for Pocahontas? Oh, I don't even know. Because it wasn't Elton John. Exactly. But I think he also opted against having that kind of soundtrack because, again, he thought, you know, there's no songs in Dances with Wolves. There are still songs in Pocahontas, but none of them are earworms like they are in The Lion King. Yeah, it's true. They're not as jaunty and happy. They're yeah, like, because we're making colors of the wind and I can, I'm depressed. Stop yeah. killing my friends and family, please. Yeah, because he's going, this is a serious drama. I don't even need to cut songs because they're already gone. <laughs> they never existed in the first place. But, you know, generally still really successful. And these are all pretty little things in the bigger picture. Because Disney is doing well and Katzenberg is doing well as part of them. But then there is a power struggle in the mid-90s between Roy Disney, the nephew of Walt Disney, Michael Eisner, the CEO, and Katzenberg. I won't go into any detail, but the upshot is Katzenberg lost. He lost the power struggle and had to resign. (laughs) He filed a lawsuit against Disney for money he felt he was owed and was settled out of court for an estimated $250 million. I mean, he's done well out of that, to be fair. I'm sure he did really great things with that money. Apparently he was owed it, but who knows. So he then That's probably chump change to them at that point. Yeah, like we've made that on Genie plushies alone. Yeah. We aren't giving any credit to Robin <laughs> Thanks Williams for that, by for. the way. Yeah. Thanks for those Genie plushies. Thanks for that, That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> so after that, he goes on to find DreamWorks. Has like pretty good success there, generally. There is a bit of a bumpy road in the, at the start, though, when DreamWorks releases, under Katzenberg's leadership, releases Road to El Dorado and Sinbad, which collectively lost $125 million at the box office. And yet, Road to El Dorado has become a cult classic. It has. Um, it's super well-loved, because it's gay. It's so yes, gay. It, it, 
Well, in the I best way it, possible. I hope it was worth half of his Disney settlement money. <laughs> I, I think it was, but I didn't spend it, so it's yeah. different. <laughs> so, because those two flopped, Katzenberg believed that hand-drawn animation was a thing of the past, so he shifts resources to CG animation and does pretty well with Shrek and a couple of other early 2000s DreamWorks films, which don't have the critical... Was he there for Shrek 2? That's the big question. I mean, I have to assume he was... It's sort of weird with CEOs. Like, let's be real, com- yeah. Shrek 2 is the peak of cinema. It's, like. it's sort of weird with CEOs of studios because it's always hard to tell how much of a hands-on approach they'll have as it goes on. Yeah. I don't believe he had anything to physically do with Shrek 2 because I think it yeah. would have they would have removed the, uh, the fairy grandmother song. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You just, we'll get it into our heads that the best part of every film, Katzenberg was against that. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why the biopic is Cats, because they kept all the bad stuff They in. kept all the bad things, all the bad songs. They cut all the good stuff and <laughs> get all the bad stuff. But of course, this, even though he's no longer part of Disney, he's still having influence on them, because of course, by shifting to CG, he's sort of forcing Disney's hand to also shift. And they're also having a bunch of flops with Treasure Planet and Atlantis, so... That's their own fault for dumping on Treasure Planet. Yeah, it is a chicken and egg scenario because it's easy to say hand-drawn animation is dead when you've also decided we're not making any more hand-drawn animated films. <laughs> it's all well and good to say the dog is yeah. dead when you've shot it in the yeah, face. Yeah, when you've already shot it. <laughs> that, that famous saying. <laughs> yeah, after that, basically just consistently putting out you know good i say good yeah dreamworks films are sort of they're not well regarded critically but they're generally successful i feel like post shrek 2 they all went downhill you know yeah but they're still they make money b movie still made money and if you can make that then frankly what can stop you shrek forever after can stop you yeah he left his position as ceo of dreamworks in 2016 but he's still involved in it he's just not directly linked to it anymore yeah it's a solid 16 year run yeah yeah he can he can be happy with that but he's not done of course not. because in 2018 two years after stepping down from dreamworks he and former ebay ceo meg whitman announced that they are getting into the streaming game with quibi i i do have a quick question about the the ceo of ebay Yes. So, like, do we have any information about her story, about how she went from eBay yeah. to... Yeah, I've got a little bit, I've got just a little bit here. Not as much, because she doesn't have that much of a history in the film industry. But the New York Times in 2008 cited Meg Whitman as being among the women most likely to become America's first female president. She must have taken that to heart, because she ran for governor of California and spent more money on her own campaign than any political candidate had spent on a single election in history at that point, and she lost. So that's, oh, it's not great. But it's fine, because that's behind her. She just didn't get enough bids. She does also have history in a producer's sort of role at Paramount, sort of the same time Katzenberg was there, which is probably when they first met. So now they've they've re-teamed to form this partnership. So the idea, it started with an idea, a simple idea. <laughs> It was built on the idea that, essentially, people are looking at their phones in short bursts all day. So why not create a streaming service that caters to that five to ten minute gap with programming? Not the worst thing. Yeah, not crazy. Not crazy. But some refining to do, I would say, to that idea. But it's not insane. They called it Quibi, short for Quick Bites, which doesn't work to me because shouldn't it be pronounced Quibi if it's short for Quick Bites? (laughs) Quibi for the straight guy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it's Queer Eye for Bisexuals. We're Queer Eye. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to have to cut that out. So... (laughs) 
if I cut out everything that's unfunny, we'll have about two minutes of content. Oh, so no. I'll leave it in. <laughs> that would be unfortunate. Probably because of Katzenberg's history in the entertainment industry, they managed to raise $1.75 billion in funding. This was for major companies such as Disney, Katzenberg's old stomping ground. They were like, oh, go on, bud. Here's, yeah, here's a little bit the, of a... Uh, we gave we'll give you, you 200... the equivalent of 10p for yeah. us. We gave you $250 million back in the 90s. We'll give you... Not all, I don't know how much exactly each one gave. So we've got investments from Disney, 20th Century Fox, NBC, Sony, MGM, Time Warner, Goldman Sachs, and a whole bunch of others. But also notably, for us two, BBC and ITV invested in it. Oh. Yeah, I know. It reached across the pond. That's not hugely surprising, because BBC is dumb. No, it's not necessarily surprising, but it is. It's a it's big interesting invest- that they yeah. got across the. Pond. They were clearly confident that it would reach Britain at some point, which is understandable. Yeah, so they've got all this funding, and then in 2019, Quibi announces that it's sold out its advertising space for its entire first year. So solid start. They've got the people spending the money. They've got yeah. the people who want to be mm-hmm. shown on it. Everything's coming up roses. There is one small thing missing, but we'll get to that later. But they've also got talent as well. They had deals for projects to be helmed by Steven Spielberg, Jason Blum, Jennifer Lopez, Guillermo del Toro, Reese Witherspoon, and just dozens of others who are involved in some capacity. This sounds like an amazing deal, amazing site, it's amazing a, yeah. you know, it re- service. I'm I'm on board. Like I'd, I'd watch this. There's a few strange features because it was reported that Spielberg was going to be working on a horror anthology series that you could only watch at night. So that's a bit weird, especially because well, I really fancy watching the next episode. Oh, it's no, uh, it's daytime it's 4 now. PM. Can't do it. Yeah, I have to wait. Again. Yes, they thought because dark is scary. Yeah. (laughs) The dark times of the spookies. Yeah. But, you know, as I said, it's designed to inject entertainment into the short moments. So their idea was like when you're commuting to work or waiting in line or presumably on the toilet. They have to assume that. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, you can only watch dark when you're on the toilet because it will make you shit yourself. (laughs) The goal is that, you know, you're going to try to fill the spaces where people are just looking at their phones. So they have to acknowledge that part of that plan might involve people watching Quibi shows on the toilet. I mean, surely, yeah. I don't I don't know if they've considered that, but they should have. They should have put it in their official release. They're lying otherwise. <laughs> Watch Quibi wherever you want. Mm. In, at night? In, the, in your bed? Yeah. On your phone? Yeah. <laughs> like, say it. Say anyway, on the toilet. Anyway, say, say it. it. <laughs> yeah, just say it. Someone, some poor intern is in the corner just saying, like, just say it. Just say what you need to. Just gotta say it, please. Um, What made Quibi interesting, though, is that it is only viewable on your phone. There's no option to watch it on a computer or a TV, which seems antithetical to everything that is good about streaming. Yeah, the reason, like, I enjoy watching Netflix is that I can watch it still on my TV at home, you know, the biggest screen in my house. Yeah. And I can be like, wow, look at this detail. Mm. And it fits into your TV viewing routine pretty well. Yeah, because it's it's like watching, it's not a huge change, it's just watching TV, but I'm watching a different service. Yeah, you're just watching the same box you used to. Yeah. It's, It's a strange choice, but a bold one. And this is the other thing as well, because it really corners them market because you went from thinking our audience is going to be people who are commuting to work to now it's only that yeah you've immediately discounted everybody who doesn't have a smartphone that could run it and also people people aren't going to get home 
and think, oh, time to watch the latest Quibi. Let's all gather around the phone. Yeah, it's a water cooler conversation that you mm. can only have if you're like, sorry, gents, just going to go watch the next episode and hold your phone right up to your face. Yeah, it's also completely counterintuitive to another big part of their idea because... The main question you think is, all right, five minute videos, casual viewing while commuting, why not YouTube? or TikTok. Yeah, especially TikTok nowadays with it being like super quick. Especially because it's non-committal as well. Yeah, you, you can scroll, 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 stop and then just get away. Yeah, if I'm waiting in line, I don't know if I'm going to be waiting in line for 10 minutes and 52 seconds that it will take for me to watch 50 States of Fright. Yeah. <laughs> but what I also find curious is you're only watching it on your phone and you're only allowed to watch it on your phone which feels completely counterintuitive to the idea of making it high-budgeted, high-produced content. Yeah, you might as well all film it all on a, a phone anyway, because yeah. if it's super high-quality 4K, most phones don't have a 4K display. Yeah. They barely have 1080 displays on some phones. Like You just can't appreciate the full extent of the quality, or the differences between cinema and a phone. Yeah, exactly. Because you're spending all this money on quality production, and then asking people, view it in the ideal way on a cramped train in your phone <laughs> shaking with your tiny earpods in yeah, ear- as you hear yeah. the announcer going like please get over the next station because i kept going over this and i kept thinking that can't be their only plan they must have thought there's going to be some way people can watch this otherwise because most people might not even commute to work in such a way that like lets them watch things because what if you're driving or walking and also what if your commute to work takes longer than 10 or 15 minutes in which case you might as well just watch a tv show yeah if it takes 20 minutes oh cool i'll watch an episode of always sunny i was literally just gonna say watch always sunny or brooklyn 99 or just any other sitcom i suppose it must be because I, the one thing I do know about the Quibi is that the Quibi. If they're doing it for the uh, for phones, is that you film in a portrait style, which is abhorrent and yes. awful to look at. And you see that when they cut films that are shot in two three five or two three nine to be on a phone, it looks awful because you can't frame stuff right. It's so much footage that is not shown on screen. Yeah, that's why people turn their phones landscape. Yeah, we will get to that later. Because it feels like they think they've cornered a gap in the market, but it's a gap that doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> because people are already like, satisfied. I can't believe no one's doing this. Yeah. And they're like, well, it's because no one wants to do this. Yeah, like, we get it. We're all addicted to our phones. But, you know, you've just gone, what if that, but a different thing? No one is going, I'm really unsatisfied with just watching cat videos on YouTube for my commute to work. Yeah, it's true. No one is sat there going, there's just not enough content yeah. on, these social- on, on YouTube and TikTok. Yes, there just isn't enough. Because not only are they free, actual shows will upload clips onto YouTube. And not only that, it's customized to you. Yeah. The TikTok is the for you page and YouTube is recommended for the stuff that you subscribe to and watch to Mm. all for free. So if you ask what is the difference between this and YouTube, it's all about the high quality production which, as we said, is rendered completely null and void because you're making people watch it on their phones while the person next to them is pressed up against them coughing on a cramped (laughs) train. And, like, YouTube Red exists, which was, like, YouTube's equivalent of the high-quality thing, and that failed. It did, and... I think specifically as well, because YouTube spent a decade training its audience to expect that they didn't have to pay for high quality entertainment and then suddenly turned around and went, okay, can you pay for it now? 
No. And it, literally every yeah. single put like there were shows on YouTube Red that I was like, oh, I'd I'd quite like to watch that, but I will not. You never did. No. I I'm never going to pay. Why would yeah. I pay when I can watch the stuff that the the my favorite creators are still going to keep uploading their content? Yes, for that's free. the thing. Just not that. Yeah, because the whole business model of Quibi not only means you have to circumvent YouTube and all of this, the people who are interested in watching videos are going to have to discard all of the stuff they already like that's available for free. But it's okay, because Katzenberg has a plan. Again, it's all about this high premium, high produced content. According to some sources, he kept saying in pitch meetings, a phrase he would use a lot was, if it can be on YouTube, it can't be on Quibi, because we're, we're that much higher than YouTube. But see, I look at that and I think, but Jeffrey, people watch YouTube. Why do you not yeah, exactly. want people to watch? We will have no footage of any cats on yeah. Quibi. Well, the thing is, like, you show, f they there are clips from films on YouTube, like yeah. full cinema films. So you're saying, like, we cannot have film. We, yeah. There is no film allowed on Quibi. There's clips of, you know, talk shows or anything. So much that's just there. It's such a limit because you YouTube can literally upload anything, you know, yeah. within a copyright standard, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But you are allowed to watch whatever you want. Yeah. And if it's by, because, you know, so many actual studios have worked this out as well, that they've started to just upload episodes online. You can watch the entire Travel Man episode with Paul Rudd on there. Yeah, like uh, SNL is a perfect example as well, because they just upload all of their sketches on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, all the sketches. Every like interview from stuff like Conan O'Brien and Stephen Colbert, like any of that you could watch. It opens it up to such a larger uh, yeah. audience, because like us in the UK, we don't mm. get to see them live on yeah. TV, so they know that there's an expanded audience out there mm. for it. So... All of that, you've got to go, no, don't want it. I want my, I want myself a Quibi. <laughs> I want my Quibi. So the plan was to divide content into three categories. Quick bites, which were the, the actual shows in 10-minute sections. Daily news segments. And what they referred to as lighthouses, which were projects mainly driven by the A-list celebrity in them. So like one right. example was... Apparently Idris Elba had like a car review show on there. Yeah, don't know why. And Chrissy Teigen had a Judge Judy style show, but with her. Oh, no. Yeah, so I know it makes you want to watch already. But of course, the problem with all of this is that they've just dumped it all out there. There's all this content and they've just gone, here it is. It's all in the same, you can watch it vertically or horizontally. That's it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Like, Martin Scorsese recently did an interview where he sort of criticised the way that so many modern studios break down their films as pure content and don't really see the artistry of it. I think he would have a heart attack if he saw Quibi. <laughs> where they're, they're or show, he would be yeah. super into it. He'd be like, I want to do The Irishman too, mm. but yeah. I want to do it in Quibi. <laughs> and I want it like, to I be want to do a portrait. It, finally viewed the proper way in portraits in 57 10 minute segments <laughs> 57 yeah. that's i think it'd be way more than that 530 yeah probably so, but again because no, we to see the dodgy cgi yeah we keep going back to i liked it we keep going back to the <laughs> sort of comparisons to youtube and apparently a lot of quibi staffers did think why don't we just get youtubers why don't we just have them why don't we get the people who are currently popular instead of the people that were making content in the 80s yeah that, you know are still making good content but you know mm. they have their realm they know what this is yeah this confuses me in a profound level as they said you know maybe recruit youtubers or influencers or content creators online and according to some staffers there would be pitch meetings where they would pitch a show centered on recruiting some online content creator 
and those pictures would be shot down, only to then reappear a few days later in a different meeting with an A-list celebrity inserted in place of the influencer. Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> like, nah, not a big enough name. Nah. Like, oh, you yeah. want to do a, a chat show with a with PewDiePie? No, 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 no. No. What about a that. chat show with Conan? <laughs> yeah, but he's already got one, and it's people can watch it on YouTube. Ah, yes, but it, is it a Quibi? So yeah, it's got not a Quibi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, it's on YouTube. Oh, well, I cannot have it yeah. on the Quibi. An- another weird feature of the Quibi was that it, prevented viewers from sharing clips or screenshots from the shows you gotta love that that's uh, everyone loves about imagine wandavision or the queen's gambit with none of the memes none of the online sharing literally the wandavision has lived and died on twitter yeah because of people taking screenshots and making memes out of it and like that that's how uh content is shared these days like people mm. find relatability in the images that are shared from it and the memes that are created from yeah it. there is an entire economy within those edited images and if you're restricting that you're shooting yourself in the foot yeah just shoot me don't watch our stuff don't have and it's free advertising as well as a studio you don't need to do anything just let the internet do its thing yeah because if the argument is like oh it'll stop people from you know pirating things and stealing it it won't no it really won't people can do it people will do it and they like they have done it yeah i'm glad you sort of thought went to that instantly because that's genuinely what i think this is i think katzenberg is because he's a mid-2000s studio executive he still thinks movie piracy is like a big deal and a big threat where everyone else has just sort of moved on so he goes we gotta stop this now put an end to it download a house yeah it did result in this um every concern we just voiced has been expressed in this great headline from business insider that i'm gonna read out it's mainly the second part of the headline that i love the first part is quibi won't allow users to share clips or screenshots of their shows and then goes could lose valuable viewers without widely shared memes <laughs> which is i just find that funny to see on like a professional that's, news source yeah that's not a headline that you would have seen 10 years ago yeah nevertheless despite all of these roadblocks Quibi weren't stopping. They had a Super Bowl ad that launched and it involves like a, a bank robber who's in the middle of a heist and then he runs out and he checks his phone and he sort of smiles and then the rest of his crew run off and there are sirens in the distance. And then it goes, quick bites, Quibi, launching April 6th. Now, according to polling figures... Wait, I, I... I, ju- I just want to oh, double check with that, like, because yeah, yeah. like I I kind of half remember this mm. advert. I don't remember actually seeing it, but yeah. from what the way you just described it, I I don't I don't get it. I don't yeah. get what the what, well like, what the purpose of the advert. You, is. <laughs> he got caught clearly. You, <laughs> the, the thing is, you'll be pleased to know you're not irregular for thinking that. <laughs> of people who were polled, who saw the advert, said they thought it was for some food delivery app, which actually makes sense. Quick bites, you know, the guy's smiling because maybe he's seeing food is near or something. Oh, I'm going to get, I've just got money, so now I can pay for my food. My Postmates is on his way. Bit of a misstep. It's fine. They have 50 original shows. They didn't mention this in the advert, it might have helped, but they have 50 original yeah. shows they're going to bring out. To me, that says too much content. Yeah, when you're starting off, yeah. it's, 
Exactly. Because when you, you don't have a backlog of content, yeah. like Disney Plus yeah. launching with like, oh look at all the old content, all the Disney shows, yeah, for. including yeah. the Mandalorian, which is their big one flagship show. Yeah, they go here's one big mm. new thing, and yeah. also all of these other things, and they're doing one at a time. They don't go WandaVision and Falcon the Winter Soldier and all this stuff all at once. They go in weekly, and it means that people are going to keep coming back. Yeah, Apple TV have done that as well with um that whatever with Ted that Lasso and stuff. yes, and whatever that morning show was with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. I can't remember yes um i've heard good things though and yeah netflix as well they started with house of cards and orange is the new black and those were the you know remember when that was weird for netflix to bring out an original series yeah and now they're almost in the same situation as this quibby situation is that there's just too much of their own kind of content that you can't it doesn't have the the staple of oh this will be good but the only difference is netflix are established everyone has yeah it's true quibi are trying to start out and so even if you were interested you wouldn't really know where to start they don't have any big flagship you need to watch us for this it's just names attached to vaguely defined projects look we've just summed up a lot of problems but they've made it launch day here we are and it's not atrocious so april 6th 300,000 downloads on its launch day 1.7 million in its first week they were aiming to get around 7 million by the end of their first year so that seems like an attainable goal right now if it wasn't for the fact that none of those subscribers can share any of the content on quibi but you know other than that they'd have to just be like okay i've finished watching this episode i must now close the app go onto my messenger app and then message my friends and say i've just watched this thing on quibi get quibi or you will mention it when you're talking to someone and you say i just just saw a good show on Quibi, and I go, what? Quibi? Who? Are you sure that's not pronounced Quibi? <laughs> this sort of looks a lot worse, though, when you compare that Disney Plus gained 4 million subscribers on its launch day. Oof. And remember, they want to throw themselves in the ring with the best here. Yeah, they they want yeah. to be more. They than want Disney to be Plus. that level, be, but they also want to be more than like TikTok and YouTube. Yeah. And unsurprisingly, because of all the things we've just said, Quibi did not have a good rest of the month things fell out pretty quickly they fell out of the 50 most downloaded iphone apps a week after its release they were ranked lower than an asmr slicing app for downloads <laughs> i mean there's niche markets and then there's that so that is that just literally asmr slicing so like literally sounds of slicing i have to assume it is i didn't research it i'm just gonna quickly gonna keep going i'm gonna research <laughs> yeah, so I was slicing out. okay now in their defense they do have a pretty good excuse because remember their whole market was centered on targeting people who are commuting to work and as long as everything is fine then they have that solid foundation as long as for instance a global pandemic doesn't stop everyone from going to work they have that oh dear it's april 2020 oh dear. yeah and remember, that's supposed to be their core audience, but now suddenly that's fallen away. Yeah, and if they'd geared towards people at home, yeah, because you know, yeah, because that's the thing. Different story. It's a weird thing because Katzenberg said he blamed everything on COVID, and he sort of has a point because it did really slash through their demographic but it's a demographic he created yeah again it's the whole you shoot yourself in the foot and then be like the arrow hurt me yeah and the fact is as well every other streaming service skyrocketed during the pandemic netflix disney plus apple they all had huge figures because everyone was stuck at home craving stuff to watch but no one spared a thought for the quibbies because they could only watch it on their phones. And uh, here's an additional thing, like an additional problem with it being on your phone. Most people will watch something on Netflix or YouTube or anything like that and will watch it on like a laptop or something and yeah. then they'll be on their phone they'll doing something phone. else. Exactly, yes. And I, you know, generally I try not to do that now because, you know, I want to watch whatever I'm watching if it's actually a good thing. 
but yeah, it's true. Because that's the other thing. There's a binary choice that Quibi forces you to make. Like, if I want to watch my content, now I can't use my phone for 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to be able to respond to messages and things, yeah. which are all going to flash up on the screen on my when I'm watching this show. Yeah. Which is a bit of which a Which is also probably going to take you out of it. Yeah. So yeah, not a great start. By June, Quibi was asking executives to take a voluntary pay cut and considered laying off 10% of its employees. So yeah, not, not ideal. Also, they've got another problem because they offered a 90-day free trial, which is kind of ridiculously long. Yeah, it's long enough that you could basically watch everything on it and then cancel yes because as the months rolled on the first 90 day trials expired only eight percent of the people who signed up originally opted to continue to pay subscription fees and that's only like what was it 1.7 million between in the first week so eight percent of that isn't even like a good amount yeah i'm not sure if that means when it says eight percent if that refers to the launch day audience or the launch week audience either, either way, way yeah it's not great eight percent it's not gonna be a huge number. no so there's this isn't so much a business detail there's this one infamous moment that happened in the middle of all this in july Vulture did a profile of Whitman, Meg Whitman, where they interviewed her, asked her how Quibi was going and how it was bad. So they asked her, and they asked her a pretty generic question, something you'd ask anyone, let alone the head of a massive streaming company. They asked her, what was she watching right now? What shows was she interested in? What had captivated her through the year? And she said, I wouldn't classify myself as an entertainment enthusiast. (sighs) But this is the thing. The word enthusiast there, everyone watches something. Or, like, consumes some form of media, whether it be news, books, TV, or YouTube, you know? There's, yeah. There's something that gets everybody. If someone tweets about watching WandaVision, I don't go, oh, wow, you're a real entertainment enthusiast there, aren't you? Oh, wow, you're really, really enthusiastic, enthusiastic about, about entertainment you're consuming. <laughs> Yeah, the fact that she her initial answer was just nothing. But it's okay, because she was pressed. The interviewer was like, okay, but surely you must watch something. And she went, Grant, it's on the History Channel. It's about President Grant. That That's a, that's a direct quote as well. That was what she said. She didn't elaborate whether it was a documentary or a drama series or if it was a TV film or anything. Grant. I like Grant. Grant. She watches Grant. You ever seen so, Grant? I'm starting well, I can't to... show you it because you need to download it yourself. But uh... <laughs> Oh, yeah. She didn't even name her own app. That's what I find most confusing. She didn't say... She didn't take the opportunity to plug a show on her own app. No. <laughs> a bit more info. She sounds like... I'm not going to lie. She sounds like the most boring person <laughs> I've ever heard of. I wouldn't class myself as an entertainment enthusiast. Have you seen Grant? It's on the History Channel. <laughs> She's an energy vampire from what we do in the shadows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A bit more info about Whitman, though, is that she had bought a $6 million condo in Los Angeles with the intent of staying there to oversee the Quibbies. Yeah. Apparently, in August, Quibby employees noticed that Whitman's condo had been put on the market for resale. That's that's the worst sign, surely. Especially when it's your own employees that notice it. When, when, like, imagine how fearful you'd be when you're like, oh, a boss just bought a new condo. And then two months later, you're like, searching for houses. That house looks familiar. The boss is selling their house. Why is the boss selling their house? <laughs> <laughs> Things are going well, aren't they? 
Yeah. I know that 10% of us have already been fired, but that's it. That's the worst. That's fine. Right? That's right. We're catering to some audiences out there. We don't know who they are. The 8% that are still there. <laughs> We're, we are the 8%. We're the employees and we have to download the app and pay the money back. Do you think at that point, if you're on Quibi, do you just stay there? To see where it goes. I mean... You want to be part of history. A little bit, yeah. If I was to have paid for the subscription to begin with, I, you just got to know. You, like, you got to know why. It's like... Um, well, it's, it's nothing like the end of Vine, because the end of yeah. Vine was uh, completely unmeditated and just out of nowhere, and people were actively using that app. And, and Twitter went, we'll take yeah. that and crush it. Mm. But again, though, I want to just remind everyone vine was free you could, exactly you could watch it and you could watch it and, at your leisure and you want to know why when twitter bought vine we don't still use vine is because twitter bought it and tried to use it and make money from it in yeah. a proper way and it failed and then tiktok came along and it's the is vine but without twitter's influence again yeah. and so now people like it it's the cooler vine it's for the hip young kids with middle partings and uh those generation zedders listening to mother mother i'll pretend i knew what that reference was god i'm old <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel young so it's oh fine. man i can't keep up with these uh 22 year olds now that i'm 23 these... <laughs> it's too difficult these damn kids yeah. <laughs> I wish there was some bigger, grander ending to this. There's no real... It, it just feels so inevitable. Because we all outline the problems of this. You and me, between us, just in... And look, I know we've got hindsight, we know it failed. But even then, I feel like people could have yeah. just stepped in and gone, this doesn't seem good. Because... If we were in the business meeting, they would have, yeah. they would have been fine. Because in October of 2020, six months after its launch date... The Wall Street Journal reported that Quibi was shutting down, uh, apparently on a conference call to inform the employees of what was happening. Katzenberg, he said they would be laid off, and then he said he suggested that they listen to the song Get Back Up Again by Anna Kendrick from the movie Trolls to lift their spirits. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I think this guy understands the youth. I think he's on a different level. Like he's it. gone so far above us all. <laughs> Trolls is DreamWorks, right? Yeah. Oh, what a what a genius! He's plugging his own company. That's what it is. Like, I'm going back to DreamWorks. Yeah. So go listen to them. Everyone, go listen They're, to the Trolls. Trolls is the one where it's like, why won't you sing? Because singing killed my grandma. <laughs> 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 I forgot about that, yeah. Clip. See, it's a good thing that didn't premiere on Quibi, because then no one would have been able to get that clip. It's true. Oh my god. Man, what a journey the Quibi is. <laughs> but you reckon if Meg was in the call, she would have been like, you know, we're not much of a uh, a job enthusiast company. <laughs> I don't listen to music, Jeffrey. <laughs> I'm not much of a music enthusiast. <laughs> What do you do, Meg? What is what me? Do you yeah, do? I don't know. She was CEO of eBay. That's what she did. I like to scroll through used items. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it, I... it's wild. So there is sort of a, a last thing to this because in October, because remember what we said, the big flaw in Quibi's marketing is they don't get any free marketing by way of the internet. But That's true, yeah. in October, cruelly ironic that it happens after the shutdown has been announced. But in October, Quibi finally gets a bit of viral marketing when someone uses a phone to film another phone that is playing an episode of their anthology horror series, 50 States of Fright. 
So the show basically involves uh, Rachel Brosnan, she's the wife of a lumberjack, and a tree falls on her and crushes her arm, and the husband has to cut it off. And then he gives her a golden arm to replace it with. Uh, a golden okay. Arm he... I won't even question it, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the start of it, though. That is the premise. What slowly happens is that he this just golden... had gold lying about. He had, he did have <laughs> he gold had loads like... of well, gold and he made an arm out of it. He, he made her just a regular metal prosthetic arm, and she was like, I hate this. He's a lumberjack. Why is he working with metal? I, I don't want to be that guy. But... He also <laughs> has a 3D printer. That's how he printed He's the got... arm, <laughs> which, which he printed in gold. So. Don't worry, honey, I've chopped down the tree and it, it crushed her up, but I have the 3D printer at home, so I'll just yeah, make you a new it's one. It's all fine, with all the spare gold I have lying around. Which is all the money I got mm. from my show on Quibi. Yeah. <laughs> you should download it so you can watch it too, because I can't show you. Because apparently it is based on some horror fable in the state that it's from. I can't remember the state it's from. Because the, the premise of the series is we're going to do a horror anthology for every state in America. There's 50, yeah. they got to 25 episodes, no more. <laughs> That's it. That's still pretty good. The, 25 is not bad. Some of them are doubled up. They decided to do ah. two stories for some states before they'd even touched another one. I guess, oh, the, I, yeah, I'd be pretty insulted if I was that state. You're like, there's no horror here. Maybe they, they were like, the only horror story from Massachusetts is just Boston as a city. <laughs> like, <laughs> so we can't really do yeah. anything about that. But. Yeah. I don't actually know which state the Golden Arm one is from. I hate to say, but but it is a fable. I wish apparently. I knew more about their states so I could yeah. mock the least the regarded state. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, it is a fable. There, it you know, I, whatever. Okay, um, maybe it sounds better when it's told like round a campfire. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to Google that. So this is the thing. That's just the premise of it. What happens in the clip is Rachel Brosnan is sat on a hospital bed as a doctor is telling her that she has pulmonary gold disease. And that her golden arm is slowly killing her. Well, take it off then. Yeah, no, no, she can't. No, that's the thing. To, to this, Rachel Brosnan, Emmy winner for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which she's great in, she replies, they'll have to bury me with my golden arm. And now... Why? Quibi has been buried with its golden arm. What? <laughs> you say that so that's the confusing ride of quibi apparently they are going they're trying to give back around 300 million it's of the investments oh michigan is well yeah i don't know um, enough about michigan there's lumberjacks there apparently and gold apparently. oh i'm i found a wikipedia state for the the golden arm is a folk tale oh. story appearing in multiple cultures through oral tradition and folklore most famously told by mark twain Oh, right. Oh, so the tale begins with a death or a recently deceased victim who has an artificial limb, usually an arm made of gold. The victim has their limb stolen after their death, most often by a loved one or trusted one in greed. Oh. Then the victim comes back from the grave looking to get their golden limb back and scares the robber into giving back their arm. Well, the interesting part of the golden arm is that the Quibby's good golden arm is that that does happen, that she's killed by the pulmonary gold disease and then the husband takes the arm back but the show establishes that he isn't taking you back for grit. It's just to survive, because he spent all this money making a golden arm that she isn't even going to use now, because it killed her. But Yeah, and why Why did he make it out of gold? Yeah, but it's not greed that's motivated. It is just survival. Yeah. But anyway, then he... Then, <laughs> There's a so, difference between greed and needing money. Yeah. There's some real mixed messaging in their message fable here. Yeah. And oh. yeah, and then she comes back to life and kills him. Much like Quibi but, has been killed. 
<laughs> but maybe it'll come back and kill us. It won't come back. Oh, it could. Yes, to get back its true. golden arm. That's true. I fully expect that Quibi will return to murder all of us. Oh, that someone's knocking on my door. Who's that? Oh, oh hey. Oh, hey, Quibi. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, uh, it's Meg Whitman. I'm not so much of a, a life enthusiast. Have you seen Grant? <laughs> it's on the History Channel. It's about President Grant. I think you get a lot out of it. Wait, what's that, Meg? You're about to be on the History Channel. <laughs> you know what you and President Grant have in common? We're <laughs> both going to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> No, he is dead. You're both dead now. Damn it, the metaphor failed. So, I don't know what's next for the dynamic duo of Katzenberg and Whitman. But, you know, um, whatever it is. Apparently, I said earlier, they are trying to return money to investors. Apparently, that was a big motivation in the shutdown, that they'd blown through that much money, that they had cut their losses and thought, we will try to give back some of this to yeah, the people who, that's you know... That's admirable. <laughs> Uh, except for all the workers that are clearly yeah, shafted by the entire situation. Apparently there is sort of a silver lining in that most of them signed on knowing it was likely temporary. So not that that's much consolation, but it is sort of a yeah. dreams were not dashed here, from what I can tell, <laughs> by staff. No one thought, this is my big break. Yeah, many of them were very quick to go to journalists and just say, here's, here's the insanity that happened. Here's the scoop. Yeah, so they're not holding out much hope that it might have come back. They were just... Jump on the ship, get the paycheck, jump off as it's drowning, or be pushed <laughs> off. None of the, was. Was there anyone that represented the band on the Titanic? Like as they played as it went down. Someone played. Oh, probably the Golden Arm. That's right. all the yeah, content. Was... That's what the content was. The band, the entertainment, and no yeah. one was enthusiastic enough about the entertainment no, to stay with them. It just and didn't hold last. the ship afloat. Idris Elba's car show is just there for. Oh, so his car show stalled. One thing I forgot to mention is well, not forgot to mention because it is fitting here. Apparently, a reason why Quibi was able to get a lot of high-profile names was because any show they pitched for Quibi was technically theirs to own. The person who pitched it, not Quibi's. It could be platformed on Quibi, but then after so many years, they would get the rights to the show back and could premiere it. Which makes sense, because if you made a full feature film and you sold it to Quibi, and they're like, we're going to break it down into 10-minute segments and show it on phones, you'd think, I, can we can we just do something else with that? Well, so, yeah, yeah, but you'd argue that if you're not okay with that, then maybe you shouldn't be pitching to Quibi pitching in the first Quibi. place. Well, and maybe Quibi is a that. bad idea. I think, I think it's... <laughs> I, it does give an answer what doesn't get on to every other streaming service and i think yeah. that's what it was literally just we'll take all of it netflix send all of your rejections to us apple come on we'll take them and there's a lot of faff that gets on the on netflix and yeah there's a the lot yeah i used to think what gets turned down by netflix because, you know, they're not really losing anything to just accept whatever. Yeah, people will watch it. Like, yeah. They, they can they make all their money back from the from the subscription services, so they can literally put as much or as little out as they want. But it begs the question, what didn't get onto Quibi? Well, I, I guess we'll <laughs> Is never Is there know. anything? We'll never know. But um, It was the, but, the platinum leg. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, but yeah, that's, so that's a sort of interesting angle to it that we might actually see some of the some of the quibbies re-emerge a couple of years down the road when the creators get the rights to them back yeah that's the question because quibi now being dead like do, yeah. is there a way to access these shows that were on quibi the ones that they did release like the first 25 episodes of 50 states of fright do we yeah. get to see those is that accessible to us i you know that's a good question i never looked into it because people 
worked hard like the crew yeah. the casting crew that worked on those yeah. shows obviously tried that footage exists somewhere on, on servers and is inaccessible to a significant number of people now yeah including probably the people who worked on it mm. there's yeah and there's actual completed shows on there like there's a Kiefer sutherland remake of the fugitive and oh, which no. apparently uh, we, yeah, we did people want that. that there's a liam hemsworth reimagining of the most dangerous game again if you need that you know i'm starting to think it's not such a bad idea that we don't have to have access to this thing <laughs> the thing is i know for a fact we have both watched one quibby thing which is the homemade princess bride that was quibby and that was that's quite enjoyable quibby? That was on Quibi. Now it's on YouTube because, of course, it is. And that's how we saw it. And that, yeah, and that was quite enjoyable. But the thing is, but it's not enjoyable enough. You know, it was like a nice niche novelty thing. It's not enjoyable enough that I would go, I'm going to sign up to Quibi for it. I'll tell you why it was good. Yeah. Because it was free. Yes. And because it was quite effortless to produce. And it also, it shows how quickly they were losing sight of their premium content promise. Yeah, it's very clearly a YouTube video. Yeah. Not a Quibi video. Yeah, and it's fun for that reason. It feels, it has the yeah. spontaneity to it. It's the kind of thing you could watch comfortably in five minute bites, in a quick bite yeah, as it was. if that was released like once a day, every little section of... Yeah. You know, every day you got a little section of someone yeah. new doing a new bit of The Princess Bride. Yeah, cute. I'd be watch cute that. For a fun little thing. But, you know, wouldn't you much rather watch Liam Hemsworth cropped in vertical? Or, like, compressed and squashed and stretched? Oh, yeah, that was a little... A little fact is apparently their editing suites would have two monitors, one vertical and one turned on its side to be horizontal. Because the, cause the thing is, a... <laughs> saying we're going to let you watch it in vertical and horizontal, but cropping it so that it fits in vertical is to me like a Tommy Wiseau filming the room in digital and film at the same time level of yeah. stupidity. I'm going to tell you right now, I have tried yeah. in the past to do that with mm. fil- for the footage that I have shot landscape and I've been like, oh, this would be good to do on phone so I'm going to try and do it like a portrait yeah. cut. It doesn't, it doesn't work. work it really doesn't work. You'd have work. so much more empty space above people's heads if you were in a close-up. And the answer to how they did this was literally just none of the filmmakers actually took this into account and tried to film it so that it looked good in both angles. They just threw it all at the editors and went, make it look good in both. Yeah, here you go. Which, again, completely goes against high-quality production. Because they're saying, we've spent billions of dollars making high-quality shows, but we're going to let you watch them as if you were watching your TV through a crack in the door. Yeah. And just on a pure technical level, like if you were going to have a version for the portrait... And version for the landscape, like how you could, you'd have to, it's such a faff to switch between the two. Yeah. Because it would have to be different files because you, you couldn't have it so that it would rotate and look fine. It's the reason that when you rotate YouTube, it just goes to a small window at the top of your phone. Yeah. Or if you rotate it landscape, it fills the entire screen because they know. Exactly. And there are YouTube videos that are portrait, but they're specifically Specifically portrait. filmed that way. Yeah. And so was a lot of the, uh, the dog scratching on my door. So was a lot of the princess bride, the, the home movies. Yeah. One. So. Anyway, but you know, there's probably more that I've left out, but that is the whole saga of Quibi. Uh, well, I, I think we should say Quibi yeah. to Quibi. <laughs> oh, that's bravo, sir. That's good. <laughs> I think that might be my best yet. Oh. <laughs> we might as well end this entire podcast now because we're never topping that. Yeah.